Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. just a moment, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2, and uh, you can run with us there. But let me remind you of this phrase that we just sang, and it's kind of one of the key points. At the end of the second stanza of the poem, Phillips Brooks writes this, And praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. Now here's the truth, and here's here's the, the principle that we're going to see uncovered tonight as we dive into this thought about Bethlehem. Why did God make us a point, this a point to include it in the Christmas story, to include it in the story in Luke and in other Gospels, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Bethlehem is the birthplace of a king or of kings. And when Jesus and God is king, then we're able to have peace on earth. So let's read together in Luke chapter 2. Uh, this section of the Christmas story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So we see in Luke chapter 2, I'm having trouble advancing. The decree went out from Caesar Augustus, all right? So this was This was a a ruling or a statement that everybody in the whole entire region had to follow. And they were going to go be registered. It's the first time it happened in a long time. And all went each to his own town. So we then learn the second part of the story that Joseph marries now officially husband. In every way, legally, except one, Mary was still a virgin went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the ha- of the house and lineage of David. David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. David is the reason we have many of the Psalms that we have in the book of Psalms. And David is an interesting study. We start reading in Samuel chapter 15, 16, and 17 about David, Samuel went to find a a king for Israel. And Samuel traveled to Jesse's house. And Jesse had 12 sons. And Samuel starts talking with the oldest and tries to figure out which one of these sons is supposed to be the next king. Now, David is the youngest. And Samuel travels through all of, remember this story, all of the the people except for David, and he says to Jesse, none of these are it. Do you have another son? He goes, yeah, I got one more, but he's a shepherd out in the fields. 
And you probably don't want to talk to him. He's the youngest. He's the scrawniest. I mean, he did kill a bear and a lion and all that stuff. But I don't know if he's ever going to be king. And, and Samuel says, no, I need to go talk to him. And sure enough, that was whose God's anointing was on. And David was set then to become the king of Israel. What town did that story take place? A thousand years before Jesus was born. That took place in a little town called Bethlehem. Jesse was from Bethlehem. David was from Bethlehem. And David was then anointed by God the king. And a thousand years later, prophecy tells us that there would be a Messiah or a king born from the line of David. Royal blood from the same town where David was from. And that town was named Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2, 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophecy took place. This is about 300 years after David and 700 years before Jesus' first birth. And this is what Micah says. O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from the old, from ancient of days. This is a pretty incredible verse. We don't have a lot of time to spend in the titles that are here but understand this to be one of the prophecies and one of many prophecies that was fulfilled in the Christmas story, in the birth of Jesus. Specific statements made hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. And what's the specific statement? That Bethlehem would be the town where the Messiah would be born. They named it. And Bethlehem still existed 700 years after this prophecy was made. And, and not just any Messiah, but a Messiah who's connected to the term ancient of days, which ties us directly to God himself. Everybody who read this, every good Jewish boy and girl who read this, recognized the term ancient of days as referring to God. And in Bethlehem, someone connected to the ancient of days would come and they would be born. A king. A king. Why do we need to know that Jesus traveled with Joseph and Mary to a little town called Bethlehem where there was no room for them in the inn and he was put into a stable and born in a manger in this town? Why do we need to know that Joseph's lineage, Joseph's line is all the way connected back to David himself, the king of Israel, because it fulfills prophecy specific prophecy there's no mistaking there's no making this up there's no false claims to the throne god emmanuel is with us and he's born in the city of david bethlehem isaiah chapter 9 isaiah writing about the same time micah was both prophets isaiah says 700 years before jesus is born for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and here's the royalty piece, Prince, Prince 
of peace. The one who would be king, the one who would be ruler, is the prince of peace. How many of you have already watched the Netflix season three or four of The Crown? If you've already been watching this, you've been learning a little bit about royalty and what happens with kings and queens and succession. And, And if you saw that Prince Charles, who's going to be king someday, his official title is the Prince of Wales. Here's the funny part. I learned it by watching The Crown. He's not from Wales. But he's the Prince of Wales. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And a lot of people would say to you, that there's no peace connected to Jesus. A lot of you would say to you and blame Jesus and would blame religion on wars, on murder, on trouble. And they would say to you that Jesus is no prince of peace. I'm here to say to you that Jesus is the prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. How many of us, not by raised of hand, could use a little bit more peace in our lives? How many of us long for some peacefulness and the ability to receive and know and understand peace, the ability to travel through life with a peaceful spirit? Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the bringer of this gift to us. And through Christ and through Jesus, we have access to true peace. That's what we want to understand today. When you sing the songs of Christmas, when you remind yourselves about places like Bethlehem and the coming of Jesus, you are told these details so you can understand the full weight of who is with us and what he brings as a gift because of his coming. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, brings to us the ability to have true peace. This is not original to me. You've probably seen it on a bumper sticker somewhere, but I couldn't think of a better phrase to sum up tonight's principle. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Here at Branch Life Church, we believe that the stronger your connection to Christ, the farther you will be able to reach into our world. And the more fruit you will be able to bear. The stronger your connection to Jesus, the more fruit you will be able to bear. What fruit are we talking about? In Galatians it says the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, patience. What's the next one? Peace. As we strengthen our connection to Jesus, to the baby who was born, who came to this earth in the city of David as a king, we gain the ability to have peace. There are many people who long, who reach, who, th- who go after peace, but they leave Jesus out of the equation. Jesus has to be a part of the equation in order for us to have access to any kind of peace at all. Without Jesus, and oh Jesus, you don't have peace. With Jesus, When you know him, K-N-O-W, Jesus, you will then know peace. What's the secret? 
What's the secret to gaining peace? What's, what, what gives us then that ability, that skill to have peace? The secret is, is Jesus. And let's dive into this a little bit more fully. In Philippians chapter four, verses six to seven, it tells us this, this thought about peace. I'll just remind you of this verse, but it says, in everything by prayer and supplication, another word for prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you ever stopped and tried really hard to understand peace? Have you ever tried to define it and think about it and comprehend it? I want to submit to you tonight that peace, the peace that God brings, the peace that we don't have access to except through baby Jesus, is incomprehensible. It's something that we do not have the ability to understand. But if you've ever experienced the peace of God, you know it. You know it when it's there. You realize it as you travel through difficult times. And, at, and in different moments when when the peace of God has been present in your life and when you've experienced it, you may not be able to explain it. You may not be able to, to, to define it. But you are able to experience it. Tonight, let's, let's work to the best of our limited ability to understand what peace is. Joseph Henry Thayer in the Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament defines peace this way. Peace is the tranquil state of soul assured, excuse me, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. Now we got a little bit of old English in here, so let's travel through this definition. And I thought this was rich, and this is worth writing down if you're writing something down because it captures into words a difficult concept. First, peace is a tranquil state. Peace is a tranquil state, peace and tranquility, the idea of having a calming effect, being in the state of calmness. If you've ever found yourself on the opposite end of peace, filled with stress and angst and anxiety, worry and concern, stress and fret, you understand that it's not tranquil in any way, shape, or form, but it's rough seas. It's difficult to go through it. And it can induce all kinds of uh, uh, ripple effects through your life. An overabundance of stress can bring onto it panic. And, and then fret. And then high blood pressure. And then sleepless nights. And when we long for peace, what we're trying to understand is that peace enables us to have a tranquil state. Not necessarily of my physical body where my body is tranquil or the circumstances that are around me are tranquil, but of my very soul, the innermost part of my being. Is your soul at peace during this Christmas season? Or are there a couple things that are causing turmoil in your soul? A couple of experiences that you are going through, a couple of concerns that you have, some relationships that aren't right, a shortness of funds or the ability to provide a, a, 
uncertainty of the future or what will be coming ahead, an overloaded, just simply busy schedule that's causing your soul to be the opposite of tranquil. Do you find yourself in this Christmas season even too busy to stop and think, I'm celebrating the birthday of my king? Then tonight you need peace. Peace that comes from Jesus. I think of the inability to grab peace a lot like a teacher of a middle school classroom. And when I describe teaching middle schoolers, I just like to use the word controlled chaos. And you're trying to get math facts out there. You're trying to just enlighten them on the wonders of Shakespeare. And what's coming back at you in droves in that setting is just simply controlled chaos. And as you start teaching, and if you're stuck in the same room with these kids, bless every middle school teacher in the world, all day, every day, you live in this constant state of controlled chaos. And I may have a couple of moments where I'm progressing on math fact number two, and that could be totally flipped on its head in one instance, and something that was no fault of my own. Sometimes I feel like my life is just a middle school classroom. And everything that has happened to me is just controlled chaos, and I'm trying to get from one moment to the next and to the next, and just controlling the chaos in this moment, knowing that there's going to be more chaos in the next moment. And I don't have peace. Peace is the tranquil state of my soul that is assured of salvation through Christ. How can a soul be tranquil, tranquil? You know, your soul is the only eternal part of you. Your soul is the only thing that's going to live forever. And we as Christians and Bible believers believe that the soul is going to live in one of two places. Everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. It's something that we say around here. And you have, you have the option of living eternally with God in heaven, a new heaven, a new earth, or in hell. And, and if you're sitting there and you're going, well, I don't know where my soul is going to be, then it's not tranquil. If you don't have an assurance of your salvation or a knowledge of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your soul is going to be in turmoil. Your soul was created to have a relationship with Jesus. Your soul was created in and for Christ. You are designed to be a part of the family of God. And if you do not have Christ in your life, you do not have the ability to allow your soul to have peace. But if you are here tonight and you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you know that you've accepted him as personal savior and that you have been born again. You remember that moment or you know that you have this confidence that your sin has been forgiven, that you believe Jesus died and rose on the cross, died on the cross and rose again for you, and that you've had this time where you've accepted the free gift of salvation, then you have the ability to have soul peace. You do not have to worry about what's going to happen to you after you die. That's why the New Testament author can say, what can man do to me? They can't do anything to your soul. Your soul is safely in the palm of the creator of the universe's hand. And he will never let his children go. Peace. Soul tranquility is only possible through an assurance of your own personal salvation.
And if you're here tonight and you're not sure that you are a son or a daughter of God, if you are not sure that your soul is in God's hands, if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, in this moment you can make 100% sure. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You become a part of the family of God. Simply tonight, accept the free gift of salvation. You repent of your sins. You turn to Jesus and you accept the gift of salvation. Ask him to save you and he will. Believe that this little baby Jesus born in Bethlehem so many years ago is who he says he is, God. And trust in him for your salvation. Then your soul has the ability to be at peace through Christ and content with its earthly lot. This is a soul that's content with its earthly lot. If Jesus is my savior, then come what may. Your soul tranquility is not dependent on the circumstances or the situation you find yourself in. Let me say that again. Your soul tranquility is not dependent on the circumstances or the situation you find yourself in. It is dependent on one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Let's rephrase this definition that we've learned tonight. Peace is simply this, soul tranquility, no matter the surrounding circumstances. Peace is soul tranquility, no matter the surrounding circumstances. You've got 35 junior high kids who just came in from recess, just had candy canes for lunch, and they are amped up and they are going crazy, and they are bouncing off the walls, and you are a Zen master in the middle of that room. How is that possible? It's only possible for Jesus, and at, with Jesus. And as Christians, we should be able to have peace in the midst of overwhelming chaotic circumstances when we have soul tranquility in our lives. Let me correct some understandings about peace tonight. Peace is not quiet. Peace is not quiet. And so many times when we try to lean into peace and we try to grab peace and we try to run to peace, we misunderstand what true peace is. And we say, if I can only have a few minutes of quiet, if I can only have a few days where I'm separated from this situation, if I could only have a kinder boss who wasn't yelling at me all the time, if I could only have a better spouse or kids that would just leave me alone. We mistake peace for quiet. Peace is not quiet. Peace is not calm. Peace is not ignorance. Sometimes if we just pretend and we ignore everything else going on around us, we think we're going to find peace. We can't find peace by sticking our head in the sand. Peace is not found. Peace is not earned. Peace is not worked for. And peace is definitely not quiet. Peace, God's peace, is soul tranquility in the midst of noise. In the midst of distress, in the midst of divide. Peace is soul tranquility in the midst of a sinful world that's gonna bombard you with all kinds of ammunition. And whatever it is you're traveling through this Christmas season that is causing turmoil in your soul, in order to have soul tranquility, we've got to point and run and 
directly dive to Jesus. When we pass all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to God, the peace of God, the soul tranquility that comes from God, which surpasses any explanation, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the word will is a promise. Not might, not maybe, not could, but will. What is it that you are carrying tonight that has got your soul churning? Give it to God with prayer. Ask God to help with supplication. Be thankful for it with thanksgiving and leave it with him. He guards your soul. He guards your soul. You don't have to. And allow the peace to overwhelm your entire body. Monday night, we're going to have a Facebook Live discussion. We're not going to talk about these six things tonight, but six places you'll find peace. And we're going to continue our conversation about where in the Bible it promises peace and how we can find it. And tonight, I just want to quickly point you to three of these places that you'll find peace. And the first place you'll find peace, based on our Christmas story conversation, is peace is with us in the night. Peace is with us in the night. I don't know about you, but I sleep great. Now, I don't have baby twins that are waking me up all the time. We gate our golden retriever downstairs because we learned that if we don't, she wakes us up very early. I I have a sound machine that makes white noise off in the corner because we live in a townhome with neighbors who bang on walls and stuff. And I put all these tricks in place and I've learned to be able to sleep at night. But I haven't always. As a matter of fact, two nights ago, I had trouble sleeping because I was so excited about the Christmas party coming up Saturday morning. I just, I just couldn't wait for it. And I just couldn't get myself to go. Sometimes people are like, Santa's coming tomorrow and so you need to go to bed early. That never worked for me. Whenever there's something exciting for me the next day, I don't know why I just can't go to bed. I just, I just stay up later and later and later, and, and it, it's terrible. And then I get a couple hours of sleep, and then it's off to that thing that I was excited about. So if you ever want to help me, if there's something important happening tomorrow, tell me to get to bed earlier that night, and, and I'll do that. But if for me, I, I am able in this season of life to be able to put my head on the pillow and generally fall asleep. We talked about during our Rest for the Stress series the importance of sleep. But I know from firsthand experience, and it hasn't always been so, so for me, that when you are traveling through a season where your soul is in turmoil, it can be very difficult to find sleep. And then the problem compounds itself because add on to your stress and your turmoil, tiredness. And if you don't eat, you're hungry, and then we call it hangry, right? So how do I sleep well at night in the midst of bad situations and bad circumstances. Soul peace. For me, it, it was a, it's a very deliberate process that I have now trained myself to go through. When I'm anxious about something or when I'm concerned about something or even when I'm excited about something, I know that that would very po- probably interrupt my peace, that would interrupt my sleep. And so several years ago, I started 
going into this habit of if I'm finding myself not able to sleep because of anxious thoughts, that I need to, step one, pray about it. Because after all, that's what the Bible says. And so I would take my concern and I would pray about it and I would give it to God and I would still lie awake at night. And I wondered why that was. And I had never heard an audible voice or a direct communication from God, but, but one, one evening, through the course of habitually having this problem, I realized that when I was praying, I was going through a motion I wasn't actually trusting. I would say to God, take this problem, and I would never actually hand it to him. I would still hold on to the concern. I've sat in conversations with husbands and wives who are having trouble with their marriage. And we're talking about the spiritual battle of that. And we would say to one or the other, hey, there, here's some great spiritual practices that you need to do. And they would say, okay, I'll do this thing. And I believe that. And I know that that's true. And then they would go out of that conversation and come back several weeks later. And nothing changed in their marriage. If we give lip service to faith in God, but we don't actually put our trust in God, then what changes? So when I pray to God, I intentionally have to say the prayer in my mind, and I have to then remind myself in my spirit that God's got it. And I claim the promise of God that he will then take this concern that I have laid at his feet and he will carry it for me. So if I'm concerned about my children's future, if I'm concerned about their safety or their protection and I'm lying awake at night and I can't fall asleep because of this concern, I have to pray about it. God, protect my children, amen. And then me, Josh, I have to remind myself that God has promised that he will answer prayer that his will will be done, that he knows our steps, that he guards our future. And I have to quote those promises back in my soul. And I have to ask myself this question, Josh, do you believe God is who he says he is? And in my soul, I say, yes, I do. And after going through that intentional habit, it's become a quicker process for me, but that the peace that passes understanding enters even into my night, and I'm able to sleep. I don't know how it could work for you if you're, trouble, if you're troubled at night, but I know it could work. If you figure out how to pray, thank God, and claim his promises in your own way, and then let God have it and don't grab it back. Believe he is who he says he is. And the peace of God, the promise is, will guard your heart. So let it guard your heart. So that's one place we find peace when God is with us. Peace is with us then during the day. Some of you might be like, the night's no problem for me. It's the day that's terrible. It's the day where all the problems come. It's the day where I don't have enough moments or I, I have indecision or I'm constantly getting bombarded. It's the day where I just struggle over and over again. Listen to this from, from Psalm 119. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. My sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, now have something like six or seven or eight kids. I can't keep track. And like they're 16 all the way down to a brand new baby. 
And on that side of the family, when we go to Michigan, you add those a million kids and two from another brother and sister and two from, and then my two kids, and we all get together for Christmas. It's literally a madhouse. And there's all kinds of stuff going on, and, and everyone finds themselves having a great time for the first, like, 10 minutes. And then inevitably, somebody starts screaming. And it's because so-and-so knocked me into so-and-so, or I got shot in the eye by a Nerf gun, or I, was, I fell down the steps. And when you put all those people in one small spot, someone's going to stumble, and the peace is going to be destroyed. We do the same thing as adults in our day. We think we're having a great day, and then all of a sudden, we fall on our face. And something horrible happens, and what was a peaceful day, we've now fallen into something. We've made some choice that we shouldn't have made. We've made some decision that's come back to backfire in our lives. We maybe abandoned some time with God for some little extra work time, or we fudged the truth a little bit, or we went back to that substance that we didn't think we were going to go back to, and we tripped and fell on our face, and all of a sudden the peace is gone, and then we find ourselves in the middle of the day going, God, why can't I have any peace? And God said, I have given you a very specific formula for your day. And if you follow this formula for your day, you have access at soul peace. He said, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. How do I keep from falling? Love the law of the Lord. Look at the rest of this psalm. It starts starts up a little bit higher in verse 161. My heart stands in awe of your words. If I believe Jesus is who he said he is and God is who God says he is and these are the words of God, then I need to be in all of these things. And I may have an opinion that doesn't match with this and whenever that happens, the all of this is gonna override my opinion. It's gonna override my feeling because I'm in all of the words of God. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. And then I'm not going to be mad that my feelings are different. I'm going to praise God that he's allowed us to know his truth and his wisdom. I hate and abhor falsehood. We value truth at Branch Life. It is a core of who we are. It's why we open and walk through God's word every single week. We're not bringing up just random thoughts. We are showing you what the words of God actually mean. And I abhor falsehood, anyone who twists or takes or lies. But love your law, your truth. Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. Do you praise God for his righteous rules? Do you praise God for any rules? Do you like rules at all? (laughs) Most normal people don't. We like our rules. We like our way. We don't like rules put on us. How do I avoid stumbling? How do I allow peace into my day? Love God's rules. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. How do I have peace in my day? The word of God gives me peace in my day. I know it and then I do it. Where else can I find peace? The third place and the final place we'll talk about is we can find peace in trouble. We can find peace in trouble. In John 16, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have, what's the word? Peace. Peace means what? Soul tranquility. In this world, you will have guaranteed trouble. But take heart, 
I have overcome the world. Tonight, I want you to name your trouble, whatever your trouble may be. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to respond on a card. You, you can, on that card, you don't have to, name your trouble. Name the thing that you have in your life that's hard, that's difficult, that's stressful, that's painful, that hurts, that's chaotic, that's confusing, that's worrisome, that's anxiety-producing. You name that trouble, and there's not one person in here that couldn't name it because we all got it. We live in a sinful, broken world with sinful, broken bodies. And it may be something the doctor told us that we have to work on. It may be something that the boss is making us do. It may be some, something awful that another person has done to us. But it's trouble. God guarantees us peace in the time of trouble. He gives us and guarantees us great peace. And tonight, you do not have to allow that trouble to rule your heart. No, you can allow the Prince of Peace to rule your heart because he was born in the city of David, Bethlehem, the one who would rule the world. John chapter 16, or excuse me, 14 and verse 27, it says this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We have control. We have control over what we let our hearts do. But peace is a gift. You know, if, if you're working hard to go after peace, if you're trying to follow a 10-step plan to get to peace or an equation for peace, you're going to miss it because peace is not dependent on you. Your inability to sleep at night, you keep falling during the day, trouble is surrounding you. Where can I travel for peace? I want you to travel to the Savior. And Jesus, when he was born as a baby, he came and he gave us a gift a gift that we did not earn, a gift that we did not deserve. But inside of this gift is something that we could never obtain on our own. It's a great and a precious gift that's given to anyone who is a follower of Jesus and who has allowed Jesus to be the king of their lives. And when you find turmoil in your soul, no matter what your circumstances are, talk to God and receive from him the gift. And when you open the gift and you realize that the ruler of the world is giving you the present of peace, he is handing it to your soul that you do not have to control your circumstances. You do not have to survive your day. You do not have to get through the chaos. But have the peace of God that covers all of those things and doesn't make any sense. Receive the gift of peace from God. Simply receive the gift. And if you lose it, if you lose soul peace, if you've picked up your burden again, if the anxiety comes back, if the stress begins to overwhelm, you simply just need to receive the gift one more time. 
the gift of peace that only God gives. Tonight, if there's a thought that I want you to walk away with, an understanding about peace, understand this, peace is a gift. Peace is a gift. It's something that God gives, unearned, unmerited, and undeserved. God gives you the gift of peace when you ask for it, when you trust in him, when you walk with him. Peace is a gift that God can give so that we can sleep soundly and live fully no matter what the circumstances are. Tonight, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him as your personal savior, if you've pushed him away, if you started to run from him, then you will not be able to find peace. Without Jesus, there is no peace. But when you know Jesus, when you know him as your personal savior, when you know he is the one that holds your life, that holds your day, that holds your soul and holds your eternity, you can then and only then know peace. So how big is Jesus in your life? How big is Jesus in your soul? If you need a little peace in this Christmas season, then run to Jesus and he will give it to you abundantly. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for sending your son. And God, as, as we celebrate the receiving of your son on this earth, God with us through this Christmas season, and we try to understand what that means, and there's so many ways that it changes everything. God, tonight we think of the simple fact that Jesus, who came to us in Bethlehem, was born a king. And as the king, he's the ruler and sustainer of all things. He's the prince of peace. Lord, I pray that tonight we would receive our peace from you. God, I pray over all of those that are here and all of those that are listening. God, if, if there is a, an absence of, of soul peace, Lord, that, that you would fill them with a peace that a, passes all understanding. And God, through this season, would you allow that peace to rule and to reign in our hearts so, God, that we could worship you fully in every moment. God, that we would be able to handle through your power whatever circumstances come. Help us, Lord, to depend on you, to trust in you, to walk with you, and to celebrate you as we celebrate this Christmas season with every head bowed and every eye closed. You were handed with you tonight as you came in or on your seat a next step card. And during the course of this closing prayer and as we sing one more song and then go out, I want to encourage you to respond on that card in some way, shape, or form. If there's anything that you need prayer on, anything at all, you can put it on that card and you will be prayed over this week. And if there's trouble in your life, if there's something that's, that's been causing turmoil and stress in your heart, and you can feel free to hand that down. We won't share that with anybody. But we'll just pray over it for you. And after the service, there'll be some prayer counselors here would love to pray for you tonight. If there's a concern that you just have to hand over to Jesus in all intensity, I want to encourage you in these moments, in the quietness of this time, to simply have a conversation with God. By everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Just talk to him. Pause during the busyness of this Christmas season tonight and recognize the peace that God can give you. And whatever it is, whatever trouble it is that's entered, hand that, name that, give that to God. 
And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Maybe tonight you've been convicted that it's not prayer the first thing you go to in a time of trouble. Maybe you want to say, you know what, I need to, I need to work on that. I need to pray a little bit more. I need to train myself to go to prayer first and then leave it with God. Then let us know that. Talk to God about that even now. He'll help you do it. Maybe it's been the words of God that have been absent during your day. You haven't, you haven't been obeying him. You haven't been following his words. Falling in love with the Bible. Talk to him about it. He can help you with it. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not sure if you're saved. But tonight, you'd like to make sure. Again, I want to invite you to come and talk with one of our prayer counselors after, see myself, any of our praise team here. We'd love to pray with you. Or just in the quietness of this moment, ask God to save you. Just simply pray this prayer, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe, God, that you died on the cross for me and you rose again. Thank you for coming. And God, I I want to trust in you for salvation. Will you be my savior? I believe. Tonight, if that's you, if that's the prayer that your heart is saying, then tonight you've become a follower of Jesus. And that's something we're celebrating during this Christmas season. It's why he came, so that we could know him personally. And now you have access to true peace. Tonight, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love for you to let us know by marking it on the card. You can see the other options there as you fill this out. So over the next 30 seconds, as I close in prayer, the praise team will pray some music in the background, and you can pray over these cards and over these responses. God, we ask you, Lord, just to move in our spirits, speak to us specifically what you would have to say to us tonight. And Lord, we pray that we would understand a little bit more fully this evening your peace that you give. In your precious holy name we pray.